So tonight we're going to do a little, we're going to begin a little four part, I guess you could call it mini series, uh, titled Winning the Bitterness Battle. Everyone say the bitterness battle. God wants us to win the bitterness battle. Let me, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews 12, uh, and we'll, we're going to read this verse, then we're going to, we're going to go back to it, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to read you verse uh, 14 through uh, 17. And we're going to look at this really some probably all throughout this, this little mini-series on, on Wednesday night in the month of May. Uh, because, but this is a profound statement that just you, we need to embrace in our hearts. And it has to do with the relationship with God and relationship with others. It says this in verse 14. He said, pursue peace with all people. And holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Now that's an important thing to understand. Pursue peace, right relationships with others, and really right relationship with God. How many of you know holiness is right relationship with God? Okay. Without that, you don't see the Lord. You don't experience his presence. And then he says, looking carefully, living carefully, walking wisely, Lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Let me stop right there. In other words, he's about to tell you something that you really need to be careful about. That you really need to guard your heart. Everyone say guard your heart. Is it Proverbs or Psalms? I, I can't, just off the top of my head. He says, guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it flow the issues of life. And so he's telling you something. He's telling us, the writer of Hebrews is telling us, looking carefully. In other words, pay attention here, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Catch this. Lest any root of bitterness springing up causes what? Somebody say trouble. Could I stop and tell you today, a lot of the trouble and probably most of the trouble that's in the world, probably much of the trouble that you're experiencing today is because of a root of bitterness somewhere, maybe not in your life, but in someone else's life. You have conflicts and troubles and tr and I, I believe, uh, much, uh, immorality and unrighteousness is, is born out of a bitter root of bitterness. He says, you be careful about this, lest you fall short of the grace of God and any root of bitterness springing up. Somebody say springing up. It causes trouble and catch this. And by this, by this root of bitterness that we allow to spring up in our life. In other words, it can happen quickly. Bitterness can take root in our hearts quickly. That's why the writer of Hebrews said, hey, looking carefully, you better pursue peace with all people. You better pursue right relationship with God and man because without it, you're not going to seek God. And, and, and you know what? A root of bitterness can spring up in your life. And by this, many become defiled. Everyone say defiled. Because, now catch this, and you need to understand, you know this to be true, but let me just say it. Issues in our life, especially a root of bitterness, cannot help but infect and invade other people's lives. And many times, and maybe even tonight, some of us are carrying an offense for someone else that really we shouldn't be caring, or vice versa, because the root of bitterness was 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 uh, contaminated the atmosphere uh, of your life and contaminated the atmosphere of your family, or so on and so forth, and they become defiled. Now, catch verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person. Everyone say profane person. 
profane person like who? Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Father, let this word set up residence in our heart tonight. and May it change our lives and transform our lives. And even tonight, Lord, let us learn to guard our hearts in Jesus' name. And everybody said one more amen. A number of weeks ago, I was in a, as I was in a leadership retreat with Dr. David Shibley and another pastor, uh, mm, I can't remember his name, he, I should, uh, it'll come to me, he was a special guest, and we were talking about uh, uh, leadership and how to, how to raise up leaders and pass the baton to the next generation, so on and so forth, and Dr. Shibley was speaking, uh, not on this context, but he said something, he was talking about, you know, the, the, the issues that we deal with, and he came, and he thought, you know, everybody, you know, talks about immorality and about, you know, uh, you know, money issues and these kinds of things when it comes to leaders. He said, but let me tell you about the silent killer. Let me tell you about the silent killer. And he wrote, read this verse. He said, the root of bitterness is the silent killer. It springs up in our heart and before you know it, silently and methodically and systematically begins to poison our life and poison our future and poison our attitude and poison our relationship with God and, 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 and unrighteousness and holiness. And let me just say, he throws in there, he talks about Esau here and, and, and fornication and, and, and how Esau, uh, was bitter in his life. We're going to look at him in a little bit, but, uh, he, man, I'm just telling you, uh, it's the silent killer. It's the doorway. In fact, when I, and, and when he said that, I, and this is where I get inspired when I listen to guys. When he's, he wasn't preaching on bitterness. He just throwing it in as a part of, uh, of the bigger picture. When he said it's the silent killer, I said, if it's the silent killer, I can't be silent. I, I, I gotta speak up. We can't be silent about the silent killer. We just can't let the silent killer kill us and be silent about the silent killer. So I said to myself, I'm going to speak up about this silent killer. I'm going to expose it, and hopefully we can begin to uproot the root. Everybody say, uproot the root. Give somebody a high five say, we're uprooting the root. Now, I do something very spiritual. Listen to me. I do something very spiritual. When I get an idea about something, when I get something dropped in my heart, and, and something inside me says, uh, man, I want to I wanna share about this. I want to know about this. I do something really spiritual. I Google it. Now, you got to be careful with Google. Uh, everything, on the, everything you read on the Internet is not true. But I Googled it, and boom, up came a message by uh, Robert Morse, the pastor of uh, Gateway Church in Dallas, one of the probably the biggest church in America and possibly the world. Uh, he, uh, he was doing a series on, on Roots. And I don't know which one it was, but he did one on the root of bitterness. Uh, and I watched it. And, and I'll, I have to give thanks to credit where credit is due. Some of what you're going to hear tonight uh, comes directly from my listening to Robert Morris uh, and his message on the root of bitterness. Some of the things he said, I said, ooh, man, I like that. Uh, and I'm not one to steal what somebody says. I'll give them credit. And, but let me tell you how you can steal something uh, legitimately uh, you can say, uh, for example, if something you want to say, you heard Robert Morris say, you say, as Robert Morris once said, and you say what Robert Morris said. And then the next time you want to say it, as someone once said, 
And then you say what he said, but you just say as someone once said. And then the third time you say, as I always say. I don't know if that's real or not, but that's what preachers do anyway. Uh, But today, as Robert Morris clearly said, and hey, and I would encourage you, Google it, you'll find it. It just comes right up. It's a YouTube video about Robert Morris' Root of Bitterness. You can listen to it as well, and you can go, well, Shazam, Pastor Sam did get some stuff from him. Uh, Hey, I I give credit where credit is due. Uh, So tonight, I thank Dr. Shibley for inspiring the thought. I thank Robert Morris for giving me a little insight into Scripture. Uh, In fact, he said this, uh, and this is kind of a, I didn't get the actual quote. He, He said this thought. He said, the root of bitterness is more than likely, this is my paraphrase, the source of a multitude of destructive fruit in our life. In other words, the root of bitterness doesn't just make you bitter. It multiplies in all cancer. I mean, it just, it's like cancerous. How many of you know there's a lot of forms of cancer? And it just grows and it gets messy and it will cause you to do things that you've never done before. Let me just give you an illustration. And if this offends you, it's just the one I came to. You know, sometimes young ladies who have a, have a bad relationship or no relationship with their father, they become promiscuous. They're searching for the love of the Father, but really, they're not just, you know, innocently searching for the love of the Father and becoming promiscuous. Probably, in many of their cases, they're bitter because they had no father uh, who, could, uh, who could invest in them the love of the Father and teach them and raise them up. And, and, and so that's, that's just one illustration of how bitterness can, can manifest itself in so many different ways. And so he said this, he said, most of us, now when he, when Robert Morris said most of us, he's talking to a lot of folks, more folks than I've ever talked to. He was talking to me because I was listening to most of us on some level or another have to deal with bitterness in our life. And and he said this, in fact, bitterness is in the Bible more than you would even think. And so, uh, and he shared some things and I'm going to share some things too. So, so that's my little intro. And so I want to just, uh, I want to tonight, I'm going to just lay a foundation and here's the good news. I'm at the end, the next three weeks after I just expose this nasty thing called bitterness tonight, and we all look at it for what it is. And we look at our hearts and go, Ooh, Oh, yucky. Poo poo. That's bad. Once we get there. I'm going to leave you with a good scripture tonight. And the next three weeks, we're going to deal with the solution, okay? And we're going to begin to uproot the root. Look at somebody else say, we're uprooting the root tonight. Now, tonight, if you know somebody... Now, let me just say, uh, there's a twofold purpose for tonight. uh, For us to look into our hearts and, and examine ourselves. But number two, if you know someone who's bitter in their life. I mean, there are a lot of bitter people in the world. Man, this is for them too. And if you can get this to them, whether it's by way of the internet or get them here next Wednesday night, my goodness, you'll set people free, okay? Because the word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So with that in mind, I want to talk to you a little bit about the source. Where did it come from? Uh, and I'm going to look at two passages of Scripture. The first one is in Genesis chapter 3. You, you should have known. You would have known. Go to Genesis chapter 3. Let me show you something tonight when when... When Satan, Lucifer, came to Adam and Eve and tempted them in the garden, okay, uh, just follow with me for a second. It says, now the serpent, verse 1, was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. How many of you know 
the, Satan was God's creation. Okay? And he said to the woman, now catch this, follow with me. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the woman said to the servant, uh, now, I'm just got to stop. I can't help but comment. Has God said it? He gets her to doubting God's word. He questions God's word. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you what? Die. We talked about that in our last, in our series on Sunday. That's the, you know, uh, you know, sin separate, it kills us spiritually. And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eye. Oh, wait, I missed something. Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave to her husband and he ate. Everyone, uh, just catch this with me. Most people think the original sin was disobedience. They, they were told not to eat the fruit but they ate the fruit. So they were disobedient. But let me just suggest to you tonight, when you look at how the enemy phrased it, you know what he was doing? You know what Satan was doing with Adam and Eve? He was telling them, you know what? I'm just telling you something. God, who you're so excited about, is holding out on you. He's holding back from you. He's not giving you everything you deserve. You deserve more. Because if you eat this fruit, let me tell you, he knows this. That's why I hadn't told you this. Because he, he knows that the day you eat of it, you're going to be like him and you're going to be wise and all these great things. He, he sowed a seed of bitter resentment against God. And because of that, she went, hmm, maybe he's right. And she looked at the fruit. And she said, it looks good to me. And she took, partook, gave it to Adam, and he partook. That's where it began in the human race. He planted a seed of resentment towards God. Now, uh, I don't know if you, uh, let me go back. You don't have to turn there. Hebrews 12. I'm going to link these back together. Hebrews 12, verse 14. What did he say? He said, you need to pursue peace with all people and, and righteousness or holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Remember that? Everyone say, see the Lord. Now, that see the Lord there in Hebrews, it's not just see with your eyes. It's to see in person, to be in the presence of. You get it? So here comes the writer of Hebrews, and he's leading up to this bitterness root. And he says, now, let me tell you something about relationships. You gotta have a right relationship with others. You gotta pursue peace with others. You gotta have a right relationship with God and if, with God. And if you don't, you'll not be able to be in the presence of God. You got that? Now go back to Genesis. What's the first thing Adam and Eve did after they ate the fruit? They hid themselves from the presence of God. Because they knew they were, and, and, and they, and, and you know, I love what God, I, you know, God drove them out of the garden because that was the place of just perfect, 
provision and so on and so forth. Uh, they had went and were hiding themselves in leaves. You've seen those artists renditions of them hiding behind the leaves. You know what God did even after he chastised them for that? You know what he did? He went out and offered a sacrifice. He killed an animal and he covered them. Everyone say God covers. But understand something. Oh, and then let me just tell you, when God shows up and says, well, who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the fruit that I told you not to eat of? And now catch this. He's talking to Adam. And there's a lot we could say about relationships here between husbands and wives. Another one. Number one, the husband should have been, Adam should have been covering his wife. When the devil showed up talking to her, he should have said, get out of the way, devil. Don't be messing with my wife. But he didn't take his rightful place, and she's the one talking, and she, she, got, she partook, and she, she gave to Adam, and he partook. And so God goes to Adam, because he's the head of the household, and he said, hey, what, he kind of tell, what's going on here? What happened? You know what he said? That wife did this. There's the first bitter seed between husbands and wives. And then Eve didn't have anywhere to go. She's that devil. And that's true. But look how it automatically, it automatically started defiling their relationship, not only with God, but with one another. OMG. How would you feel? If your spouse looked at you and said, it's her fault, she did it. It'd make you, it hurts you, it'd make you bitter. And so the origin, the source of bitterness came right from Satan. And, and the, the, uh, the first sin on earth wasn't disobedience. It was the sin of resentment and bitterness towards God. And then it just spread immediately between Adam and Eve. Now, we don't know, we don't know much about their history thereafter other than their children. Uh, but how, how many of you know Adam and Eve probably had an issue for a while? They're out, how, how many of you know Adam, he's out there toiling by the sweat of his brow, never had to raise a finger, never had to raise a, a, a sweat. He never had an issue. It was just perfect bliss. And now because of this woman he gave me, OMG, I'm in trouble. You know, so, hey, bitterness. But that's not where bitterness began. Let's back up. You want to back up? The next verse, Isaiah 14, go there. Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14, verse 12. When you're there, say, whoo, I'm there. Isaiah 14, 12, catch this. Oh, how you are fallen from heaven. Oh, Lucifer, stop right there. That's the devil. He's talking about the devil who tempted Adam and Eve. Oh, Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground. You who weaken the nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Uh, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. Now I'll stop right there. That's where it began. 
The original sin is not in the garden with Adam and Eve. The original sin is with Satan who had it made in heaven. Some scriptures infer he was the worship leader in heaven, but he wasn't happy. And in a sense, he got bitter towards God because he believed God was holding out on him and he wanted to be like God. He, he looked at God and said, I want to be like God. I want all the things God has. And then he got bitter and he said, I want to be like God. And he, he rebelled and he was cast down. Just a thought. And from that day until now, from Adam and Eve and throughout history, the devil has poisoned humanity with a root of bitterness against God, against one another, and against the people of God. Have you ever met anybody who, when you mention church, they just furrow up and they just want to puke on you some negative, bitter experience they had at church? Now, let me just say, has anybody ever seen that? OMG, I've seen it. If you hadn't seen that, you've been hiding in a cave somewhere. Hey, man, I'll go to church. I ain't gone. I had a friend of mine met a guy in a park one day. He was out witnessing. He witnessed to this old man, and he, he began to talk to him about God. And the guy's listening, and he mentioned something about church, and he said, Oh, blankety blank, I ain't never going to church. These people at church, I, I, I. man, he started lambasting his experience at church. They were this, they were that, they were hypocrites. They, blah, blah, blah. Man, he just, he's just spewing vile. My friend said, sir, I'm so sorry. I, I, I want you to know that's, that's whatever your experience was, that, that doesn't put us all in that box. I, and he, you know, more vile. He said, well, when did this happen? He said, 42 years ago. 42 years ago. He's been carrying the vile, and he, anywhere he goes, somebody missing, he's just puking this putrid root of bitterness and this defilement on everybody else. Hey, it's been happening since before creation, and we've had to deal with it. And so, with that in mind, let me move, move to the second thought here. That's the source. It's satanic. Bitterness, the root of bitterness is planted in our hearts by a satanic attack from the devil. Now, you need to understand something. Let's just pause. You want to pause? Everybody put the pause button on. I was about to go to the second slide. Let's put the pause back on. Now, I know already in the first 15, 20 minutes, some of you starting a little video or recording of your own self. You're going, oh, yeah, ooh, ooh, don't want to go there. But, oh, yeah, we talking about bitterness. Oh, I know where. And all of a sudden, the sensitivities to the areas where you put potentially are bitter and believe you me when I began to put this together I had to check my heart about some past issues with people and I had to make sure I don't let this root into my hey I need to be careful lest any I, 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 I miss God's grace in my life and let this root of bitterness take up resonance in my heart and so I know you're getting a little sensitive to this right now uh, and, and you go oh you know how should is this really true well, if you believe Robert Morris, most of it probably is. Okay? And it has been passed down from generation to generation. And we can either stop it or we can feed it. We can uproot the root or we can deny the, that the root's there and it'll just get worse in our life. So let's talk about the succession of this thing, how it, how it continues on, how it, how it uh, propagates and, and, and show you some scriptures. If you go back to Hebrews 12, 15, he says, by this root, what happens? 
everybody say it, many become defiled. You ever watched any of those, those uh, contamination movies? Uh, oh, man, I've seen, uh, what, you know, where the virus gets out. Outbreak. Oh, man, Outbreak. What's the actor's name? I see his face. Huh? Dustin Hoffman. I remember Outbreak. And what was cool, Beverly and I on our little California trip a number of years ago, we went through the town where Outbreak was filmed. Every bit of it was filmed in this little town. And Beverly and I running around. Oh, right here's where you did that. Right here's where you did that. Uh, just my little side note. But in Outbreak, the concern is if we don't stop this quickly, it will spread throughout and it will be a contagion that will eradicate the world. You've seen those movies and there's the reality about that. How many of you know uh, in our past, you know, some of the diseases until we got the, or the, you remember that in high school? Where they put the big, you remember that in high school? Man, my God, some of you younger didn't have, I mean, there's this big stainless steel thing with a bunch of needles in it. What was it, doc? And it put some pokes in you. Smallpox or clack. I mean, just, ah, they did it in school. And the reason was because if they didn't, people would die and it would just get. So the reality about bitterness is if it goes unchecked, many become defiled. Everybody say many become defiled. So it's highly contagious. In fact, the word defiled here, interesting word. It does mean to contaminate, to poison in a sense. But its bigger meaning is to die. That's D-Y-E, not D-I-E. To die with another color or to stain. To die with another color or to stain. In other words, bitterness will stain you. It'll stain your soul. It'll stain your mind. It'll pollute your brain and it'll pollute others' brain. Many become stained and the sadness about the root of bitterness wherever we go, we're spreading the poison. We're staining other people everywhere we go. The old man in the park staining my friend and I'm talking about him today for goodness sakes. Okay. So it's just, it's, it, it just propagates. You know any germaphobes? Tell me, if you're sitting next to one, don't, don't, don't expose them. And Dr. Janet did say, if you fist bump, 80% less germ contamination if you fist bump than if you shake hands. 70% less. So everybody give each other a fist bump and say, I just saved you 70% less germs. Because, it, you know, if you carry, hey, but the, the germaphobe is always, they're, they're just nervous about everything. Let me just say, in a sense... We need to be bitterness of phobes. We can't let an inroad to bitterness in our life, but historically it's happened. Uh, it happened when Lucifer fell. He got bitter towards God. And what did he do? He spread it to Adam and Eve. What did Adam and Eve do? They spread it with one another and they began to point the finger with one another. And, his, and, and history proves out that they spread it to their kids. Who were their kids? Anybody remember the first couple? Cain and Abel. Go to Genesis 4. You're just, you're just going to go OMG when you see this. You probably read it, but you didn't read it in this context. Genesis 4. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. I guess Adam got over a little of his bitterness. 
I guess they made up, huh? He looked at her and went, Ooh, hubba hubba, I forgive you. <laughs> I'm healed. <laughs> I just saw that, thought that was funny. And she conceived and bore Cain and said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. And she bore again this, this time his brother who? Abel. Now Abel was, now catch this, Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. You get it? Keeper of the sheep, tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it means at the end of days, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Sounds innocent enough, right? Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock. Everyone say firstborn. And of their fat. Now, next verse. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very what? Angry and bitter, and his countenance fell. Stop right there. Look up at me. Cain, in the passage of time, in the end of days, brought an offering. Abel brought of the first fruits. And God looked down and said, I can't honor anything but the first. How many of God's always required the first fruits? You know, people just take it to finances. People say, well, if I, when I get enough money, I'll start tithing. That's the whole messed up thinking. It's just like the Cain mentality. Well, when I get enough, I'll bring something to God. And that was the deal. And God looked down and he respected Abel because he brought the, somebody say the first fruits. But Cain brought after the, at the end of time, like at the end of the month, let's put it in our, oh, at the end of the month, I got a little left over, so I'll throw something in the bucket. And God didn't respect that. And it made Cain angry. He got bitter at God because God didn't do what God, what he wanted God to do. It says, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance falling? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field. Let me tell you something. He was jealous. He was bitter against God, and he was bitter against his brother who got the, the blessing, and he didn't get the blessing, and it enraged him so much that the first murder took place with supposedly only four people on planet Earth. Probably not true because they had to have wives. But ultimately understand this. How did that, how, you know, oh, murder is a sin. Everybody believe murder is a sin. Let me tell you something. Murder doesn't just pop. I think I'll murder somebody today. It's born out of bitterness, the roots of bitter. I can guarantee you, if I could, if I could psychoanalyze every last cold-blooded murderer on planet Earth, that you would, you could dig around and poke around and you know what you could find? An angry, bitter soul. True? 
So now we see Satan rubbed it off on Adam and Eve and, and it passed down to Cain and Abel because it's in our sin nature. Now, let's go. Oh, let me see what time it is. Let's Oh, I better hurry. Ooh, I better hurry. Let's go to uh, uh, Jacob and Esau. Genesis 25. Jacob and Esau were who? Anybody remember? They were twin brothers, right? And they were twin brothers to uh, who were their parents? Isaac and Rebekah. Isaac's the chosen of the Lord. Remember Isaac? God, you know, Abraham almost offered him on the altar. He's God's chosen. And so now if you look, let me just show you. And there's so much here. I'm going to hit it, hit it quick. I'd encourage you to go back and learn more. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back and learn more about Jacob and Esau because what did, who was the one in Hebrews when Hebrews wanted to come up with somebody as an illustration of bitterness? Who'd they bring up? Esau. Okay, and so just quickly, in fact, it says uh, Rebecca was uh, was barren, and Isaac, verse twenty one, pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his plea. Rebecca, his wife, conceived, but the children struggled together within her. Now, let me just tell you, that's prophetic, because these two brothers have struggled; they're struggling together; they're at war together today. And she said, "If all is well, why am I like this?" In other words, she knew something was wrong. And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. Uh, one shall be, this, be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. Now, that was prophetic because Jacob was the younger. But, you know, he ended up uh, being over uh, Esau because of the birthright issue. And so... So she's, she gives birth to them. In fact, it says, uh, uh, the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau, which means hairy, not H-A-R-R-Y, but H-A-I-R-Y, hairy. Did I spell it right? He was hairy. They grew. Look in verse 27. Now watch this. Watch this. So the boys grew and Esau was a skillful hunter a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. Catch verse 28. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Favorites. Never works. That's the core of all the bitterness that began to build up against them. And you know the story, Esau comes in. Now, catch the difference between these. Esau evidently was the man's man. Verse 29, Jacob cooked a stew. He was at home with mama cooking. And mama just loved him. You get the picture? Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with the same red stew, for I'm weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me a birthright as it of this day. Now, stop right there. Now, let me tell you something. Jacob is bitter against his brother because his brother is first in line for the birthright. He's also bitter because his daddy doesn't pay attention to him. He got daddy issues. His daddy's always talking and bragging on Esau, Esau, but Jacob's just, he's with mom in the kitchen. And he said, sell me. Your birthright as it is this day. Now, let me tell you something. The birthright for Esau was a double portion of inheritance. 
And it, plus, he was the head of the family line. When daddy died, he was in charge of the family. It, it was a big deal. Now, Jacob knew something about his brother. Now, I'm reading between the lines, but not really, because when you read the context of this whole thing, Jacob knew something about Esau because he knew what the bitter roots uh, looked like in his life. He knew Esau was bitter, probably bitter in his mama. She never tended to him. She Down deep, he's a man's man, but down deep, he wanted his mama to love him, and she didn't love him like she wanted to love him, and he's all, he's, he's all bittered up. Then he got even more bitter when mama and Jacob deceived daddy who was blind and stole the birthright. You remember that. I don't have time to tell that story. And so he said, sell me your birthright. And he said, Esau said, uh, look, I'm about to die. Oh, no. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as it of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. He wasn't about to die. He just wore out. Everybody said, I'm about to die. My wife says that all the time. It's just the same. She, she, I said, how you doing? Oh, I'm about to die. No, you're not about to die. You're, you're doing fine. I'm about to starve to death. Now you're not. Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? He didn't value the birthright. He didn't value it. He's bitter. He's upset with his whole family. Esau said, look, I'm about to die. What is that to me? Jacob says, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold him his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now, so you see these, this bitterness is brewing in this family. Esau was bitter against God because his father... Or his mother just thought him favorite. He's bitter against mama. He's bitter against, he's just bitter. They're all bitter. Esau, and then Esau's bitter against his mother and Jacob for stealing his birthright. It just gets worse and worse and worse. So much so that the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews mentions Esau. Let me show it to you a little deeper. You remember the pro, remember the prophecy from the, these two boys. Two nations. Keep that in your mind. Okay? Now go over to Genesis 27. Genesis 27, verse 30. I'll try to hustle through this. Now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob. Now he did it because he had been deceived. And Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, because Isaac was about to die. And Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting, and he also had made a savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, and your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted Game and brought it to me. I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him. And indeed, he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, catch this, he cried with an exceeding great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, bless me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. I'm telling you, if he wasn't bitter then, he was bitter to the core by that time. Now, jump over to Genesis 28, verse 6 through 9, and you will see it in its worst form. Esau saw that Isaac, now catch this, Esau, the bitter one, whose birthright was stolen in his mind, saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob 
and sent him away to Padam Aram to take himself a wife from there, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge saying, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. So here's Esau listening to, to Jacob, who now the younger is over the, the older. He's bitter because of that. He's bitter at everybody. He's bitter at mama. He's bitter at his brother. He's bitter at his daddy. He's just bitter. And he hears his dad say, now don't take a wife from Canaanites. And that ja- and then he saw, verse 7, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padam Aram. Also Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father Isaac. So Esau went to Ishmael and took Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son. What he said, my daddy doesn't like it. He doesn't like, he said, no, don't take a wife from these Canaanites. What am I going to do? I'm going to go get me a Canaanite woman. I'll show him that old man. Bitter. He's a bitter man. And today, The bitterness, the global bitterness battle continues because these two sons from them came two nations. From Jacob came who? The Jews, the Israelites, which translates to us the Israel of God. From Ishmael, pardon me, from Esau, we have present day modern Muslim world. The sons of Ishmael. Did you read that over here? The daughter of Ishmael. We, you just go put all that together. You remember, you know, you, I don't have time to tell you about Ishmael and all of that, but she was not the person to be hooking up with. And today, just like the Re- Rebecca's prophecy came to her, God spoke to her. There's conflict and bitterness in the world. And radical Islam despises you. Bitter. See, it's just, it's still there. It's just propagating. It's poisoned the whole world. Very quickly, I'll just mention, how about Joseph and his brothers? Remember Joseph and his brothers? Joseph was the favorite, remember? Coat of many colors, you got it. Ah, ah, ah. Brothers despised him, were bitter so much, they, they throwed him in a pit to let <coughs> they were going to kill him. They said, no, throw him in a pit. We'll sell him into slavery. And, and, and we'll put this blood of this lamb on his coat of many colors. We'll take it back to his daddy and say uh, that the lion or somebody, the bear got him. That's, now that's some bitter brothers. Take their youngest, son, their youngest brother and sell him into slavery. Now, interesting insight about Joseph. Now, we may look at Joseph. This intrigued me, and I haven't had time to just track it down. From, from what we read about Joseph, he never got bitter. If anybody deserves to play the bitter card, it ought to have been Joseph. But he and his spiritual insight that he gained evidently, just, ooh, man. He never let it get him bitter. And when, it, when the end came and the prophecy came and, and his brothers are now before him and he could, he could cause them to lose their life, he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save us today. Woo! He never let bitterness bother him when it came to his brother. So we'll look, we may look at him. And so 
uh, it just keeps going on. Now, just quickly, let me just talk to you about the sickness. Let me see what time it is. Uh, it's a sickness. Bitterness is a sickness. Now, Deuteronomy 28. If you read Deuteronomy 28, it's the blessings and the curses. Everybody said the blessings and the curses. It's a great path. You ought to read it. Blessed shall you be. But if, uh, if, you, if you obey and do this, blessed, blessed, but cursed shall you be. A better word for us in, instead of curse is consequence. There's consequences for all our wrong choices, right? And so God is setting the children up, children of Israel up for a, a parameter. Hey, I want to bless you. This is what I want to do. I want to bless you. But understand something. If you don't line up with what you got to do to be blessed and, and, you've, and you don't follow through, if you do this, you're going to have consequences. Uh, everybody say there's always consequences. And then when you get, and then, so he's setting the children of Israel up because he's renewing his covenant with them. He's reestablishing the game plan and the rules and the guidelines. And so uh, he's just saying, here's the blessings, here's the curses. And he gets to chapter 29. Now I want you to see this quickly. Uh, he says, oh, let's start verse 14. He's reestablishing his covenant. He's drawing out the boundaries. I make this covenant and this oath not with you alone, but with him who stands here with us today before the Lord our God, as well as with him who is not here with us today. For you know that we dwelt in the land of Egypt, that we came through the nations which you passed by, and you saw their abominations and their idols, speaking of Egypt, which were among them wood and stone and silver and gold, so that they may not be among you, man or woman or family or tribe, whose heart turns away today from the Lord our God to go and serve other gods of these nations. And there, and that there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness or wormwood. Everyone say wormwood. So one of the big deals, God looks down on the children of Israel. He says, man, here it is. Here's the guidelines. I'm restoring my covenant with you. And, and, and you got to remember all these people in Egypt. You can't align yourself with Egypt. You can't go back to Egypt. And let me tell you something. You better guard your heart. You can't let bitterness invade your life. There cannot be named among you. How does he say it again? He says, uh, and that there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness or wormwood. Now that word bitterness is the word gall. Everyone say gall. That just galls me. Gall. What did they, here's an interesting little side. I learned this from Robert Morris. What they try to get Jesus to drink on the cross? Gall. And he tasted it, but he didn't drink it. How many of you know we're all going to taste it? Come on now. We're all going to taste it. We have a choice whether we're going to drink it or not. Right? Bitterness is a choice. And he said, there can't be bitterness, root of bitterness among you. It just can't be there. You, you've got to guard your, or wormwood. Everyone say wormwood. Now wormwood, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tree or a, a vine or a bush that is poisonous in a sense. It's bitter. In fact, if it grows next to water, it'll poison the water. It's true. Okay? He said, you can't have something in your life that's going to poison everything around you. He's not talking about literal wormwood. In fact, if you were, I don't have time, Revelation 8 in the last days and the judgments and the outpouring, it talks about, about an outpouring of of bitterness. And it says it just slew many people. 
this wormwood. It mentions wormwood. Wormwood, bitterness, just killing thousands and thousands, just in the last days. Where did that all begin? It began in the garden. It began in the heavens. In fact, 20th century, they, they extracted this, this element. Uh, they tried to make a drug out of it. It's actually absinthe. I, I can't pronounce it. They tried to make it as a drug to help people out of wormwood. This is 20th century. And here's the conclusion they came to. It caused convulsions, hallucinations, mental deterioration, and psychosis. Let me just say to you, God's trying to get something across to us. When he, and children of Israel, you better not let this in the house because I'm going to tell you what it'll do. It'll give you convulsions, hallucinations, mental deterioration, and psychosis. I'm telling you, bitter people lose it. And they'll believe things, they'll see things that aren't there. Believe things that aren't true. They get psychotic and do stupid things. I'm talking about murderers. How many of you know Cain went psychotic? Why? Because he was bitter and angry and it overwhelmed him and outraged, enraged him. Out of a bitter, he did something so terribly wrong and idiotic and stupid. God says, you just better keep this wormwood out of your soul and out of your system. It'll poison you. Are you with me? Say amen. In fact, Acts 8, I don't have time to go there. Uh, the Holy Spirit was being poured out and a sorcerer saw this. It, I don't think the sorcerer had a name. He saw this. He said, man, I want me some of that. He started whipping out some money and he said, I want to buy this. And, and, and the apostles whipped around and rebuked him sorely. And then they had a word of wisdom in their heart about him. I can't remember which one it was, but they said this. They said, uh, I see that you're, you are poisoned by bitterness. And, and that just leads me to believe that, that the root of bitterness in his life led him down the wrong path and now he's a sorcerer out trying to make money conjuring up things. That's what the scripture says. Now, here we go. Whew! That's all the, that's all the dirty facts right there. Bitterness is poison. Let me just introduce you to the solution. And we'll close out tonight. We'll focus on the solution for the next three Wednesday nights, as I said, and it'll be better. Everybody say it'll be better. This has been kind of bitter tonight, but it'll be better. Everybody say it's going to be better. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm just going to give you a passage and just give you a little, whew, there's hope in the world. Let me do one thing real quick. Let me, you, I, you, you keep going there. I wanted, I, I didn't think I had time, but I want to go to Revelation 8, 9, and 10. I want to read this to you. It's about the, when the, the, the trumpets. It says this, The third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the waters and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood, a third of the waters became wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. I don't really think that's literal. I think what happens is that bitterness just hits 
like a cosmic explosion in the last days, and it just poisons, and people die because of bitterness. I'm telling you, bitterness will kill you. It'll kill you. Okay, the solution. I'll make you feel better now. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm not there. Uh, I'll get there in a second. I'm not there either. Trying to figure these glasses out. Ephesians 4. If you remember Ephesians, the first three chapters are principles of the kingdom, really. And the next three chapters, three, four, and five, or four, five, and six, are practicalities of the kingdom. You look at it that way. First three chapters, principles, seated with Christ in heavenly places. And then four, five, six, now let's work it out. And here's a part of it. Chapter four, verse 31. Let all, everybody say all. Let all bitterness, that's the first one now. Kind of makes me think that might be the source of this other stuff. Just a thought. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. Everybody say, put away. With all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Uh, now, that's where we're going, man, because I'm telling you, there's a way to put it away. Everybody say, put it away. Now, I'm, and I'm, I, let me just say to you, if you get sick and tired of something, you can deal with it. Until you get sick and tired of it, you won't deal with it. And Paul looks down and said, let me tell you, you're going to have to do some things. Now, I've told you about the principles of the kingdom. Now, I'm going to have to tell you about the practicals of the kingdom. Yeah, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, but some of you are got bitter roots in you, and you just got to get rid of it. You got to put it away. You got to get rid of that stuff. And how do you do it? Well, let me just tell you. Start choosing to be kind to one another. What did Jesus say? Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who despitefully you. Lean on the grace of God. That's what, go back to Hebrews, lest you fall away from God's grace in your life and start living a life of legalism and forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. That's where it gets good. Amen? Whew! Wow. So there is a solution. But I believe through Scripture you can see that the root of bitterness is the source of much of the consternation and trauma. What did it say in Hebrews? Causes trouble. You want to trouble your marriage? Stay bitter. You want to trouble your family? Stay bitter. You want to trouble your church? Stay bitter. Get mad at somebody. Get mad at the preacher. By that, many will be defiled. I've seen churches split over the root of bitterness. So we've got to guard our hearts. So this next week, these next three weeks is the solution. I'm telling you, we're going to, get, we're going to uproot the root. Let's stand up together. Hallelujah. Now this week, we're going to ask God to expose. I mean, this is the hard part. This is, okay, expose these issues. Because let me tell you something. Let me just throw this out. Let me the thought. Some of our habitual hang-ups are roadblocks in life. 
are probably there because of a root of bitterness somewhere in our life. Just a thought. Father, tonight we just ask you, Lord, in this battle against the bitterness that has been poisoning humanity since Adam and Eve. Lord, we ask you to shine a light on our hearts and expose these areas of our life that are hindering and hurting and defiling us and others around us. Open up our hearts to see. Don't let us be Esau. Don't let us be Cain. We pray in these last days that that star that falls called Wormwood would not fall on us. Let us walk carefully. Guard our hearts against any root of bitterness. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen.